0: started this series of Tell Somebody, Tell Somebody. So, who are you talking to about the Lord? I think I should start handing out little papers every week and ask you to follow through. What do you think? Will that help you? I was able to have some interesting conversations. They're kind of a little bit dark when you start talking about funerals, but it's always an opportunity to talk about the Lord. So, I did appreciate that uh, this week. Hopefully, you're looking for and pursuing opportunities. Uh, to share the gospel with people in your life, and especially people that you care about and that you love. Now today, if you would turn to the book of Romans, we're going to spend a little time in the book of Romans. And we're actually going to start in chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, and we're going to focus on verse 23. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Again, with the idea that we want to share the gospel with people in our world and people in our lives. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. The scripture says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, why don't you read it with me today, okay? Let's try it together. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. One more time. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, We were in the jail a few weeks ago. And you guys have probably heard my testimony already 20, 30 times since I've been here, right? Um, When I was a child, six years old, the Lord spoke to my heart. And my dad, he led me down these list of scriptures and this is the first one in that list. Does anybody know what that list is called? The Romans Road. So here's what we're going to do for at least the next few weeks up to Easter is I'm going to try to help you memorize and get to know and understand the Romans Road. Have you ever had somebody kind of come up to you and you wanted to tell them the kind of the gospel, but you weren't really sure about how to tell them the gospel? So maybe you said, well, if you'll call my preacher, <laughs> Right? What I want to help you is I want you to know the gospel and know it so simply and so well. It's not too complex that you can say, hey, you know what I can do? Let me walk you through this thing that they call the Romans Road. The Romans Road is a list of passages in the book of Romans. And a a few weeks ago, I was sharing my testimony uh, in jail. And then one of my Episcopalian buddies, uh, he called me up later. He said, Travis, can you share me that Romans Road? So I texted him. The list of the, of the passages. Then he goes, no, no, that's not what I mean. I want you to tell me your story through the Romans road. So I'm going to try to write out my testimony for him so he can use it to share with a Bible study that they're doing, their, their church. But you guys, what we want to do is learn these passages. And then what I really want you to do is not just to memorize them, but I want you to understand them. And so that's why we're going to kind of break them apart here and look at these over the next few weeks. So let's walk through them briefly. And what I'm going to do, I will eventually, maybe, I don't know if it will be next week or at the end of the series, I'm going to get you a bookmark that has all this stuff on it. So you can stick it in your Bible, or you can stick it at home, stick it in your purse, whatever, and make it real easy for you to pull up the Romans robe. The first passage is Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The next passage is what? Anybody know? Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans 6.23. And so we'll be studying this passage next week. And there the Bible says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in or through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's the second stop on the Romans road. Then the third one is Romans chapter 5 verse 8 but God demonstrates his love for us while we were yet or still sinners, Christ died for us. You're probably familiar with that one, aren't you, right? King James says, but God commendeth his love for us, towards us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Then we're going to look at Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And this is kind of the meat here of what it really is for a person to confess Christ and to be changed. And Paul writes in Romans 10, 9 and 10, he says, if You will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will or you shall be saved. For with the heart uh, you believe and are justified, and with the mouth you profess your faith and are saved. If you are a New American Standard user, or if you are a King James user, or you are an NIV user, whatever the Bible you use, I want you to memorize it in the one that will be your heart language, okay? And so we're going to work through these passages, though, over the next few weeks. They're so similar. Actually, I think it'll help you even if you work off the ones that we'll share. And finally, the last one of the Romans Road, the last stop, basically says this, Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, what? Will be saved, shall be saved. It's taking everything not from myself not to preach this one this morning. <laughs> it's a great truth, right? Anybody, anywhere, at any time, if they call on the name of the Lord, the Lord will save them. So again, we're going to work through these passages for the next few weeks, and hopefully the Lord will encourage you and challenge you, and I'm going to challenge you to memorize them, okay? Well, I'll walk with you at the end of the message today. We'll practice a little bit more on the one we did today. Today is the shortest one, right? So you should at least get the first one down pat. All right. What the Romans wrote is, again, is a simple way for you to let the Scripture show their power as you share the gospel with the people that you meet. How can I encourage you with this today? Your testimony is great and amazing, and I hope that you will share it with people. But the Word of God is living, right? It is alive. It is a two-edged sword. It cuts to the The bone between the bone and the marrow, it cuts to the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And this is what your preacher believes with all his heart. If you take the word of God, the living word of God, and that is used with the Holy Spirit in somebody's heart, that is where real power and real change happens, okay? And so what I'm trying to help you with and help myself remind myself of is we need to make sure that we're sharing the word of God as we share the gospel. It's not just letters on a page. It's just not an old book that was written 2,000 years ago. It's alive. And you, you watch. And I've seen it in my own life, my own experience, working with people in churches, in youth camps, in Sunday schools, and VBSs. When the Word of God connects with the Spirit of God, some amazing things happen. Transformation begins. And so that's why I think it's so important that we would know the Scriptures. And these are a great way for us to share the Scriptures with the people that we love and the people that we meet. Now on the Romans road today, we're going to start with this thought, this reminder that everyone is a what? Sinner. Sinner. You bunch of sinners, right? Wait a minute. Why are you calling me that, right? Some people you call them a sinner, they will really take offense at that, won't they? Okay. Everyone is a sinner. And what's more, if everyone is a sinner, everyone needs a savior, Okay. And that's the beginning of salvation. If someone can confront their sin and see that they really are in jeopardy of the wrath of God, that they really have transgressed God's law, if they know that they're a sinner and they begin to feel the weight of that sin and they begin to look for some help somewhere, guess what? They are on the way to knowing the Lord. But what we need to make sure that we're sharing is that people need to know that there is a thing called sin, that there is a way to break God's law. That there, that people that do sin have punishment coming their way, and a lot of times when we start with the gospel, a lot of people start with what God loves you, and sometimes they end there. That's kind of a problem, isn't it? (laughs) Well, if God loves me and that's all I need to know, then don't worry about it, right? What we need to start with is this truth that everyone, all people have sinned and they are falling short of the glory of God. So let's start this journey together today on the Romans road. Let's all tell somebody the gospel and let's begin with this idea. Philip Ryken says this, I like this quote, people who are ignorant of God's law never see their need for the gospel. If I don't know God's law, if I don't know what the law is, Then if I break the law, I'm not even thinking about it, right? Have you ever broken a law you didn't know? I bet you have. Let me give you a quick example. Have you ever been driving down a road and you were driving about 50, 60, 70 miles an hour and then all of a sudden you saw the stop sign or the speed sign and it was like 35? (laughs) And maybe that sign had been back even a mile. You didn't realize until now you saw. Until you saw the law, you didn't know that you were breaking it. Hello, right? Um, Isaiah and I run into this a lot with hunting and fishing, right? There are many, many, many hunting and fishing rules and laws. Whose responsibility is it to know those laws? If the DNR officer comes up to me and says, hey, you have uh, 30 fish in your live well, praise the Lord if I have 30 fish in my live well, first off, right? And he says, you're only allowed to have 25 fish in that live well if I say oh I didn't know so I guess I'm okay right because I didn't know what's he going to do he's going to put the handcuffs on me and then begin to explain to me what the laws of the state of Indiana are because right? <laughs> it's my responsibility to know the law right now when I know the law and I catch that fish number 26 what happens to my conscience I have a decision to make right Am I going to break the law or am I going to heed the law? It's the same thing with God's moral law. But again, today what we have is we are so illiterate when it comes to God's word, even in our own country, there are people who don't know God's law, and so they don't know that they are truly sinners. They don't know that they're in jeopardy. So part of the gospel, part of the good news is let them know this truth, okay? And that's why we start with this passage and we let people know that everyone is a sinner. Now, sometimes for those of you guys that know the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments can can be a good way to help people understand that they are law breakers, okay? And you're not trying to be harsh or mean. You're not trying to weigh down on someone. You're just trying to help someone open their eyes to the truth that maybe, just maybe they're a sinner and maybe they're going to face consequences for those sins, If you guys have followed this before, I I would just have you you can look it up sometime online if you want. But there's a a group called Way of the Master, and they have a way of sharing the gospel. And one of the things that they do is they highlight the Ten Commandments when they're sharing the gospel to help point people to the fact that they are sinners in need of a Savior. You guys remember Kirk Cameron way back a long time ago? He was on a show called Growing Pains, maybe (laughs) some of you older folks do. Well, yeah, there for a while, Kirk Cameron was even working with these guys the way of the master to help share some of the ways that they were sharing the gospel. And one of the ways that that may go would be something kind of like this. So there's someone who's sharing the gospel and they come up to somebody on the street or they're talking to a coworker or a friend or a neighbor and they may ask him a question like this. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever told a lie, even a little one? Now, most people, not all people, <laughs> most people are going to say What? yeah I've told a lie sometime then the evangelist might reply well you know if you've told a lie what does that make you a lie oh no we don't say that word liar maybe a fibber right a non-truth teller (laughs) no if you told a lie what are you you are a liar and you have violated what commandment number nine right Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That, that commandment reminds us to tell the truth, that we should not lie, okay? What? Well, maybe in uh, different settings. That's a good point, Dasha, that, that you bring out. If you are in Catholic schools or different schools, you'll have a listing that will be in different orders. In the book of Exodus, it's number nine. So I'm going with that one today, Dasha, but you, you are right. They, they are in different orders, different places. You're absolutely right. All right. Regardless, if you lie, you're a liar and you violated a commandment. Now, how does that make you feel? Uh, Wait a minute here. They were just little things, right? You might start defending yourself, start making excuses. You could ask another question. Maybe the gospel person that's sharing the gospel might ask this question. Well, have you ever looked at another person with lust? Well, I think most people have. Well, guess what? That makes you an adulterer at heart and you have violated the seventh commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And if you're thinking, well, I haven't actually done anything, you know, I haven't done anything literally done that. Well, Jesus makes it pretty clear when he speaks in the book of Matthew that if a man looks after a woman in his heart with lust, he has violated this commandment. Have you ever used God's name as a curse word? Well, everybody does that. It's even on TV and the radio and even on social media. They do that all the time. That's not a big deal, right? That makes you a blasphemer. Nobody wants to use that word either, do they? In violation of the third commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. (laughs) Do you see how that, what they're doing is they're trying gently to share the Ten Commandments to say, look, this is God's moral law, and guess what? You and I, we can be inclusive there, can't we, right? We We don't live up to all of them. Anybody in here ever broken one of the Ten Commandments? which one this morning did you break right that's more the question for most of us isn't it right okay we definitely are law breakers now the problem i think with us is that we don't have that image that the israelites initially had when moses went up the mountain to get the law of god he's led a people already out of bondage and they're looking for leadership right he goes up to the top of the mountain he's up there for a long time with the lord And as he comes back down, he actually has these tablets written in stone by the hand of God. That's what the scripture says. He comes down the mountain, and what's shining about his face? I mean, it is glowing, right? I mean, he has been in the presence of the Lord. He comes down, he is probably in jubilation that he actually has God's truth, his direction for his people, and he's about to share it with his people. He comes down to the bottom of the mountain, and what does he see? They've already fashioned an idol. Like in those 40 days, they've already taken off their gold that they took away from Egypt. They've already made this golden calf. And they're like, well, we don't know what happened to Moses. We're going to make a God and we'll worship this God. (laughs) And what does Moses do with those tablets of stone, those Ten Commandments? He breaks them. And he gets the people's attention right away. Right? If you follow the story along, you'll see some people died along those situations as well. God showed his might, his power, and consequence to sin. And all of a sudden, everybody had a little bit of a, oh, this is God we're dealing with. And I think that's the problem today, is we don't have a concept of a holy God. We have a buddy God. We have a man upstairs God. We don't have a holy God in our mindset. And we need to help people recapture that truth that God is holy, that his word is to be upheld, that we are sinners, and without a Savior, we are hopelessly lost. You guys tracking with me today? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's where the Romans' road starts. Hey, you're a sinner. You're falling short of of God's glory. You need a Savior. You need redemption. We need salvation. All right. Briefly, I want to take you back where we were this past summer. Do you remember that big old word we used for the sermon on sin this summer? Anybody? Big long Greek word, starts with an H. Oh, I failed again. Hamartiology, right? Hamartia is a Greek word for sin. And so Hamartiology is the study of sin. We remember we talked a little bit about how sin entered the world. Remember that? And who do we blame? Well, it depends who you are, right? If you're the man, you blame the who? The woman. That still goes on, doesn't it? (laughs) If you're the woman, who do you blame? The snake, right? The serpent, the devil. And the old joke is the serpent, he didn't have a leg to stand on, right? You guys heard that before? They say that in our jail story all the time. Today, what we want to think about briefly is this idea how sin came in the world. And just a brief reminder, what came because of sin? And I think this helps people see the idea of sin too. What do we have as a result of sin? Death. Death comes through sin. Now do you get the seriousness of sin? Now here, here's the really neat thing and what I want to share with you and remind you today. If you can eliminate the sin, what would you eliminate? The death. Who eliminated the sin? Jesus. What did he defeat? Death. Anybody else want to defeat death? Let's talk about that, right? If we can get rid of the sin, we can find real life. That has never changed. And because Jesus did that, we can find life in and through him. So, because of sin, we have some of these curses. And just a quick reminder let's look in Genesis chapter 3. And I'm going to read verses 15 through 19 just to give you a good reminder of what came about because of sin. And again, all this fits under this idea that people need to understand that there is sin. It is a real thing. It has impact on our world. And our world really is in a chaotic mess because of sin. So we have to start there. We can't just jump right into God's love. Book of Genesis chapter three, verse 15. And here's what the Lord says. He says, I will put enmity... Or, if you will, hatred between thee, that being the serpent, and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Then he speaks to the woman, verse 16. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Well, just briefly, let's think about those things real quick. Did those things come to pass? Did Jesus crush the head of the serpent on the cross? You better believe he did. On Wednesday night, we looked at that verse again where it says, Jesus says it is finished, right? And again, not to bore you with Greek terms, but tetelestai is that Greek word. And I told you I searched that up in Google. And remember what it came up saying? Game over. (laughs) I love that. Game over. That's what Jesus crushed the head of that serpent, just like it was prophesied all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, when Moses wrote it down. But look about the woman. Do women ever have any slight pain or, or uh, discomfort in conception and, or in uh, childbearing? There's some women I think about ready to strangle me for even using those words right now, right? Did those things come to pass? Did that curse happen? Definitely it did, didn't it, right? Uh, a desire to rule thy husband. We even talk about that sometimes. They're right in the curse. Verse 17, let's see about the man. And then to Adam he said, Because you hast hearkened unto the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, saying you should not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and sorrow shall you eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return unto the ground, for out of you are taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. Anybody here have to buy any Roundup this spring? Right? We will battle, your preacher will battle the weeds with the weed eater all over this property and even on the parking lot. <laughs> How, like, there's not even anything there and all of a sudden there's this little crack and the next thing you know there's this giant thing growing. How does that happen, right? Do we have to battle thorns and thistles today? Yeah, and we're not even farmers here, right? Go and talk to the, th- the farmers about trying to deal with all the different pests and insects and insecticides and disease they have to fight to develop a good crop right and here recently we've been trying to genetically modify a lot of things so we don't have to fight as hard and then now some of those things are coming back to hurt us in other ways aren't they right it never stops this is a result of the curse you tracking with me because of sin Now we have this problem with the ground, right? And then at the very end, what did did the Lord say to Adam about the man? Where are you going to go back to? You came from dust, and just like Diane said, to dust you're going to return, right? Yeah. And nobody in here is going to escape it unless the Lord comes back. Other than that, everybody in here, every one of us, our bodies, will go back to the dust that they were formed from. And everybody that's ever been to a burial site or seen a cremation, you know this is how it works, isn't it, right? This is a result of sin. And when I'm telling you this morning, it's not the way it's meant to be. There is life. There is a new body. There is hope and there is transformation for people who will admit that they're a sinner and will trust in the Savior. But it all starts with Romans 3.23. For everybody has sinned, for all of sinned, and they fall short of the glory of God. So because Adam sinned, we're already kind of in the hole because we sinned in him. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Let me remind you of this just briefly. We talked about this a little bit last summer. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to whom? To all people, because all sinned. Right? On Wednesday night, we talked about the history of, of us with jesus how many of us were there when jesus died on the cross right none of us were were we and yet if we receive what he did for us his history his payment for sin his payment of death his perfect life gets applied to our account right we get his history and briefly again we talked about the idea of hawaii right was hawaii fighting in the battle of 1776 No, right? And yet, if you go there on July 4th of 2019, what's going to happen in Hawaii? They're going to have fireworks, aren't they, right? They're going to celebrate because they have been united with the United States, so the history of the United States becomes their history. Well, the same thing is true here. How many of you were there when the Adam and Eve and the snake and the fruit were all there at that location, right? There was none of us there, and yet we were all there, is what the scriptures say, because we were in Adam. So his history has become our history. We are born in sin. So it kind of puts us already in the hole, doesn't it, right? And yet, the truth is, we all sin, don't we? Right? As we get going in life, we start breaking the laws of God. Now, I believe that all sin here means that we all sin the madam. Of course, we sin on our own as well. We are definitely depraved. We are born, this is your preacher's opinion, and what I think the scripture supports, we are born with a proclivity To evil. All right? Without sin, we were born innocent, but with sin, we are born with a proclivity, with a a desire, a direction towards evil. I don't think that we are a direction towards good and innocent. We are made in God's image, but that image has been broken. So let us remind, let this remind us that we can do nothing truly good. Without God, and what I want to say again, and what we've said before, without his redemption, we are hopelessly lost. It is only a work that he can do. Can you guys buy your way into God's grace today? You cannot. Can anybody buy their way out of death? Some people think they can. They cannot, right? Can you do enough good things to earn God's favor today? You would be a good person, a kind person, a helpful person. Does that make, mean that God owes you anything? No. Can I say this very carefully? And you hear me this morning? There are a lot of good, kind, and helpful people who are facing the wrath of God because they rejected His Son. They rejected the gift that He gave. Okay. This is only a work that God can do. So what Romans chapter 3 tells us, is that no one is good enough to merit God's favor because no one is righteous. Definitely not the Gentiles and not even the who? The Jews. Turn with me briefly back to Romans chapter 3. You know, I don't want to belabor this too long. If you study the book of Romans, you're going to find in the book of Romans chapter 1 that Paul makes a really great case that the Gentiles are without excuse, that they are sinners, and without the grace of God, they will face God's wrath. But in this same Roman church, not only is he writing to a group of Gentiles, he is also writing to Jewish believers. And many Jewish people who probably thought, hey, Abraham is my father. I've got this. I'm already okay. And Paul is going to make the case in Romans chapter 2 that not even the Jews can stand before a holy God, even though they have Abraham as their father. So in chapter 3, verse 9, he begins to summarize all this first point, all the way up to this first part of the book of Romans, And he's going to end with the key verse that we started with today. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. Let's start there. Paul says, So what shall we conclude? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of what? Sin. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how religious you are. You are under the power of sin without the help of God. Verse uh, 10. So Paul begins to quote from the Old Testament. He says, "'As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, none who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips.'" Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And ruin and misery mark their ways. And look at verse 17. This is the sad one. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Without Jesus, that is the world, isn't it? Right? You take a look. Look and see. Look in places where there is no message of Christ. There is no truth of the gospel. See if that doesn't hold true. Now look what he says in verse 19. Paul writes again to the church at Rome, to the people at Rome. Now we know that whatever the law says, we just looked at the Ten Commandments part of the law. It says to those who are under the law, why? So that every mouth may be, what? Silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, what does it do? We become conscious of our sin. What's the purpose of the law? Is it a list of things so that if you can do them all, then you'll be right with God? That's not even its purpose because God knows that you can't do that. Have you ever had a long, perfect streak and then eventually it fell off, right? That's one of the most disappointing things, isn't it? Because once it breaks, you can never make it perfect again, can you? You know what I'm talking about? Isaiah and I, we like to shoot free throws and compete with each other that way sometimes. And it's really nice. You make that first one. You're like, oh, maybe I can get a, a string going. And the second, and you're trying to go, and all of a sudden, phew, what happens? You miss, and I don't even want to go to 10 anymore, right? That tells you how poor a free throw shooter I am because I can't even do 10 in a row. Let's just start over again. I want to start again. <laughs> Let's do a redo, right? Let's hit that button and make it restart. It doesn't work that way, does it? Once you've broken the streak, it's, it's over. You can't make it perfect again. And here's what God is saying through his law. The law makes us conscious of our sin. And today, I just pointed out pretty, pretty quickly, right? If you lie, you're a liar. If you lust, you're an adulterer. If you have hatred in your heart, you're a murderer. If you disdain the name of the Lord, you're a blasphemer. The law points out that we are desperately in a sinful world. We're in a sinful state, and we are hopeless and helpless unless we receive the Savior that God gave us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Good, I think you're really grabbing hold of it now this morning. The whole world is accountable to God, and no one is good enough. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Do you hear what he's saying, right? You could get out your list today. We have a little new list sometimes in the modern church, right? Well, did you go to church Sunday morning? Check. Did you pray today? Check. Did you read your Bible? Yep. Yep. Did you take your Easter invite card and hand it to somebody? Sure did. Did you give your 10%? I got it down, right? Did you post on Facebook you love the Lord? I definitely did. Even liked some other things that I didn't have to like about about spiritual things. I'm doing really good. Did you tell somebody at work about Jesus? You better believe it. Check, 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 check. Get your hair cut nice? Check. You're wearing good clothes? Yep. What do you think? Do we ever do that mentally, trying to earn God's favor? I'll be honest with you, your preacher kind of grew up that way a little bit. It took me a while before I understood that the gospel was about the heart and about the change that God was doing, rather than about me trying to keep my Boy Scout list of everything that I thought was the, the right thing to do. <laughs> by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. If you're trying to earn God's favor today by keeping that list, you're going to fail. No one will be justified by the works of the law. Rather through the law we become conscious of our sin. We are not good enough. We will face the judgment of a holy God unless, unless we receive the redemption that His Son provided. Briefly, turn over to Ephesians chapter two, verses one through five. I'll remind you of this same truth, but with the good news here at the end. Ephesians two, chapter uh, chapter one. Excuse me. Ephesians two, Ephesians chapter two, verse one through five. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature, what? Deserving of wrath. We don't talk about that too much, do we today? Remember the whole counsel of God? This is what we need to be sure that the world is hearing. The scripture says we are dead men and dead women walking. By our very nature, we're deserving wrath and receiving the penalty of our sin, the curse that is all throughout our world and our lives and even our bodies. Are we feeling the effects of the curse today? Yeah, as you get older, you really feel them, don't you? Right? I'm serious, right? As you get older, you really notice like, hey, this body can't do what it used to do. And you begin to realize that things are wearing out and tearing down. And that eventually, just like the Lord said to Adam, you're going to return to what he made you out of, okay? Uh, The point here, and I want you to see this today, and I think the point here is that there is no redemption, there is no reconciliation, there is no salvation without God, and it is all of his doing. Are you hearing me today? Please, this is the gospel. When you share with your friends and they begin to realize that they're sinners and that they need a way out and that they're headed for judgment, they may try to look for ways to make it better themselves, right? I'll get a self-help book, or I'll be real generous, or I'll be charitable, or I'll be nice to people that aren't nice to me. That's not going to work. Salvation is all of God's doing. Look in verse 4. This is the, one of the best verses in all the Word of God. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. (laughs) That's good, isn't it? You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. Here's the gospel today. But Jesus died for you. And if you'll repent of your sins and receive the work he did on your behalf, as we saw already, if you will confess with your mouth and believe your heart that God raised him from the dead, the scripture says you shall be what? Saved. God did the work. You have to receive it, okay? Well, definitely a work of grace. Again, why doesn't anyone ever live a life without sin? Because we are all sinners and we are born in sin. So let's wrap this up this morning. Again, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So I think you get it by now. Everybody sinned. Nobody is without excuse. We will all stand before a holy God to bear out his wrath because of our sinning we fall short very literally the words here are we are falling short it's continual of the glory of God we were made in the image of God we were made to live a life free of the curse of sin but we fall short and hopefully the people that you're sharing the gospel with can identify with this you just can't get to there from here some of us think we are pretty close to God's glory but again the reality is this we all fall short are you hearing me today You may have some really good friends, some great neighbors who are very kind and loving and generous, and they may think they're pretty close, but the truth of this message, the truth of this verse is that everybody needs the Savior. Everybody is a sinner. We all sin, and none of us can arrive at the place where we are acceptable in the presence of the glory of God. So when I think of this passage, I always like to think, I don't know why this resonates with me, but most of all, it resonates this picture of long jumpers. Okay, have you ever seen anybody that can really jump? Right? Long jumpers, you know, they have that long jump pit. And some of those guys, when they take off, like they can go like, you know, 27, 28, almost 30 feet. Like, probably now in this body right now, if I did like seven feet, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> those guys are doing like 30 feet. Even this weekend, you guys know I'm a big Hoops fan, big college fan. I fit in Indiana. It's one of the things that makes me fit in Indiana pretty well, I guess, is I love basketball. And on the first game, uh, Friday night, Duke was playing North Dakota. And there's two unbelievable guys on Duke. One is named R.J. Barrett, but the guy that's getting all the attention, his name is Zion Williamson. Zion's a big boy. He's like almost 6'8, 280 pounds. But what is amazing about Zion is he can jump about higher than anybody on the planet. So I got a picture for you to see. R.J. Barrett did this reverse dunk. RJ's number five. He's the guy dunking the ball in the basket. But do you see the guy in the middle of the screen in the white shirt? It looks like that somebody just kind of photoshopped him and took him off of the floor. <laughs> that is Zion Williamson. And when his buddy was going up to do this dunk, Zion was so excited that he jumped just to celebrate with his friend. And when he did and stood at his top height, He is literally about four feet off of the gym floor. Now, Zion Williamson could jump a long way, especially his guy as big as he is. That's an amazing gift, right? But even Zion Williamson could not jump a 50-foot gulf, could he? He may go a lot farther than me and you, but he couldn't do the whole thing. The same thing with your co-workers and your relatives and your friends. Some of them, they're a lot better people than you or I, aren't they? They're smarter, they're kinder, they're more generous, they're more friendly. They may fit into in many of those categories, and they may think, hey, when it comes to God, I may not be God, but I'm pretty close. I am almost there. But what does this verse tell you today that we just read? For all are sinners and all fall short of the glory of God, even the kindest... Uh, smartest, loveliest, most generous person still falls short of the glory of God. Only the cross of Christ can bridge that gulf. Let's pull this picture up here and I think this will really make sense. I hope you can see it. What do you have on the left? You have us, right? That's us. And because of sin, what do we have in between us and God? God is on the right. Life is on the right. There's a big chasm there, isn't there? Okay, sin created that chasm, didn't it? Remember, we were walking with God in the garden in the cool of the day before sin. We had this unbelievable fellowship with our Creator, but because we sinned, broke it apart. And now there's this gulf that we can't cross. As a matter of fact, people will try to cross. I don't know if you can read the things, but the first one is good works. Maybe if I'm good enough, I can make it to God. The next one is religion. Maybe if I do the right religion and I'm dutiful enough, I'll get it. Some people, money. Maybe if I give enough money away, I'll make that that over that uh past over that gulf and some people it's morality well maybe if i just have integrity i will make it to god and to eternal life well what's at the bottom of the chasm you see that that's death and what i'm trying to tell you today is all have sinned and all fall short of the other side are you are you getting it now We may try good works, and we may be better than some people are good works. We may try religion, like the duties of religion. We may try money and morality. It doesn't matter how great a person you are, you will never make it to the other side. How do we get to the other side? Well, two weeks we're really going to see it, but you're going to see that there's a cross that fits just perfectly (laughs) in that chasm because Jesus was perfect. And he puts the bridge back where the divide happened because of sin, because he had no sin. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's what the scripture says. Amen. All right. So here we are beginning our Romans road journey today. All of this is a reminder that we, and not just we here, but everyone we know needs the savior. We start out in sin and without repentance and salvation, we will end in wrath this is not questioned by the scriptures. You hear me today? This is not penology. This is not my opinion. This is what Jesus says, okay? What we need to pray is we need to pray for people who are not trusting Christ. We need to pray that they will see their own sinfulness and their need of a savior. That's what we need to be praying. Who do you love today that doesn't know Jesus? Maybe you have a coworker today? Maybe you have a family member or a father or a brother or a son or daughter pray that the Lord would begin to show them their sinfulness. That's not a mean thing to pray. That's a very great thing to pray because when they see their sinfulness, they recognize their need for help. And guess what comes after that? They start looking. And if they can find the Savior, then he'll come in and transform their lives. So in just a little bit, I'm going to have you pray this morning for people that they would come to know their own sinfulness and their need of a Savior. But Right now, I'm going to challenge you just briefly to memorize this passage, all right? All right. Romans Road, what's the first one? Romans chapter 3, verses 23. Romans 3, 23. Let's read it together. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, now let's try this. Who Anybody want to volunteer? I got a lot of help up there for you. Go ahead, Dasha, what is it? Great. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, let's get a little harder. All right, Wendy, you want to help us out? Wendy's reading her King James. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's fine, perfectly fine. All right, let's go really hard, everybody. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then one last time you can see it. I think, there we go. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. People have to recognize their sinfulness and their need of a Savior to hear the good news that Jesus has come to bring forgiveness, all right? What I want you to do is start trying to know these verses so that the next time you have an opportunity, you can share the Word of God, even if you don't have your Bible with you or you don't have it on your phone, you could say, hey, wait a minute, I know this Romans road. Let me share it with you and let the Word of God work with the Spirit of God to see lives changed. Let's stand this morning. Thank you so much for your patience and your attentiveness today. Today, where I want to start, as always, when you hear these verses, is, as I have to ask you, I feel like most of you, I'm very comfortable and confident that you know the Lord, but I want to make sure that you do. Have you ever come to the place where you recognize that you were a sinner, that you needed a Savior, you repented of your sins, and you trusted the work that He did for you to be changed? If you have not, today is a great day to do that. And watch the Lord do that great work in your heart. We always invite you to do that. And you can talk to me at any time, after church, or give me a call or text me, and we can have this conversation. But for most of us today, what I want you to do is I want you to be praying. Who is it that is someone that you care about, that you maybe you are with on a regular basis, that you know that they need the Lord? They just aren't where they should be with the Lord. And today what I want you to do is I want you to pray that they will begin to recognize their own sinfulness and their need of a Savior. And that's where the Lord begins to work in people's hearts. So whoever that person or those people are today that are in your life, that you're just like, I don't want to see them face the wrath of God. I want them to know the joy that I have found. I want you to pray for them today. Again, that they will know and recognize their own sinfulness, that they'll recognize that no matter how good they try to be or how kind they are, how generous they are, they will keep falling short of the glory of God, that the only way to be reconciled is to receive what Jesus has done for them. Would you pray for them today? Let's take just a little time together this morning and let's sing and or let's pray and then we'll sing together and ask God to do a work in the people that we love and to work through us and he would use us.